Hi everyone, I'm Laura Warnod, and this is the Wonder Workers podcast. Wonder Workers is an interview-based podcast where I invite change makers to talk about their experience, their mission, and drive towards impacting the world, and ultimately to inspire, educate, and empower entrepreneurs, business leaders, and owners, and young people on how they can build together a more sustainable world. This community of wonder workers act behind the scenes to lead the world towards a new era of purpose, self-actualization, and innovation. This is a generation who shows no limits to what they can accomplish, no tolerance for dehumanization, and use their uniqueness as a real power to change the world. We want to invite you, responsible leaders, entrepreneurs, young people, and all other listeners in your quest for purpose to give you too the power to change the world. But having powers alone does not make us superheroes. Even them need allies. It's only when we accept our differences, combine our powers, belong and thrive together that our forces can turn into superpowers. We are Wonder Workers, a community of change makers, entrepreneurs, business owners, and aspiring ones who use their superpowers collectively to change the world. So tell me, what are your superpowers? I met Luisa through my network as she used to work for the same company I did. I got in touch with her and had the chance to join an event she and her co-founder Ologide facilitated. The event was absolutely amazing. I was so blown away by the warmth and authenticity of speakers participating to the event. And on top of that, the event was about the relationship between mental health and diversity, equity, equality, and inclusion. And, well, being a creative bridge builder, I love when different topics come together because that makes the conversation and insight so interesting. From the moment I thought about potential guests for my podcast, Luisa and Olajide were on top of my list because they have such a genuine way of opening the conversation about mental health and diversity and equity and inclusion. I really can't wait for you to listen to our very vulnerable conversation about our experiences working in DEI and the mental health space and how this is coming to life in organizations and in the world and our hopes for the future. So yeah, I'm glad I had them on Wonder Walkers. But before we start, let me tell you a little bit more about the guests I'm talking to. Let's start with Olajide. Olajide is the co-founder of Sisu and the equality, inclusion and well-being partner at Turtle Bay Restaurants. Olajide has been working in the hospitality sector for almost 15 years, taking on a huge number of roles from sales, marketing, customer service to recruitment. He's been named the top 20 influencers in the hospitality industry by Modern Hospitality. He has spent a fair amount of his career discovering fantastic people and matching them with great careers within great brands, all by having a chat and connecting. Understanding people's values, personal aspirations, and career goals was a big part of his life, which has taught him so much about communication and the importance of having the right technology to ensure as a business you can deliver the best candidate and employee experience to your people. 
Olegide is now an equality, equity, and inclusion disruptor, driving change. He believes that companies must represent the world they serve, especially now that businesses are shaping the world we live in, and wants inclusion to be a right, not a privilege for a select few, not to be tolerated as being different, but accepted and celebrated for being different. His aim is to get people thinking from different perspectives, connecting those that may otherwise remain disconnected. Now, Luisa is, well, the other co-founder of Sisu. She has spent the majority of her career within the luxury fashion sector, which she's forever grateful for. But after experiencing and witnessing the dark and toxic side of fashion's culture, she was eager to create something bigger and more beneficial to others. She made her footprint by championing and contributing to many well-being strategies and initiatives, building charity partnerships and liaising with various board members to voice the opinions of the employees through employee engagement. It was at this time she realized how many people she could potentially help, and that's when she planned her transition into the equality and inclusion world. She is a true believer in the power of people and diverse teams. This is what brings out the best of an organization, ensuring they reach their highest performance and potential. Her belief is that learning and development resources should be base offerings within companies, and she's an advocate for coaching and mentoring. For all those reasons, they both built SISU, the Equality, Equity, Inclusion and Wellbeing Consultancy. It was created to work closely and intricately with businesses, charities, and other groups to achieve thriving, healthy organizations and communities. Passion is at the heart of everything they do. Integrity runs through their DNA, and courage is the backbone of who they are. Well, I had the chance to witness their work by going to an event that they organized last year, and Well, they are both very inspiring people, creating meaningful connections between inspiring people in the field of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And well, I had the privilege of talking to them today and it was absolutely amazing. So yeah, let's jump in. Hi, Luisa. Hi, Olajide. Hello. Hi, how are you? Good, I'm good. I'm a bit tired. Yeah, I must say from the... Christmas holidays, which is not really holidays anymore. It doesn't feel like holidays anymore. I know. Yeah. I think it does depend on what you do and how you do it. Because some people you speak to and they're like, best Christmas, had such nice relaxing time, spent yeah. it with the family, very wholesome. And then other people are like, yeah, it was, it was what it was. It is what it is. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, but... I do feel like it depends on what you do. I just always feel stressed like after yeah. it. We yeah. need to find a new Christmas tradition. That's what we need to do. We need to find a new thing that makes us not stressed and relaxed in a nice environment. I think Scotland. Yeah. Oh, that's a good, yeah. Like a nice place. By, like, a, like, like a castle in Scotland full of snow. Bougie. Yeah. <laughs> by the fireplace. Yeah, that's what I want. Book, I want yeah. <laughs> Basically the holiday. With a chef. Oh, yeah, yes. Yeah. And a nice spa. Mm. Like, yeah. Right, 2023 Christmas girls. We've got it. I've really started planning it, babes. <laughs> oh, good. And how are you feeling? Both of you guys. Do you know what? I'll be totally honest with you, Laura. I mm. have been feeling somewhat apprehensive about the month ahead just because I think we've had the whole Christmas period and it's been a bit of a lull. And as I, as I mentioned before, I wasn't feeling very well. And then this January, we've got quite a busy January coming up, haven't we? Mm. And um, yeah, so I've been feeling 
a little bit apprehensive about it, but at the same time, excited. Then that always kind of mixes in, you know, the butterflies in the tummy. Mm. And I'm like, is this excitement? Is it anxiety? Like, yeah. I, I'm not really sure which one it is. And I kind of flip between the two. But that is my natural Gemini personality. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, I, I mean, I totally understand what you're saying because I always feel like that as well. And mm. I never know whether it's anxiety or excitement. Sometimes it's very hard to like identify. Differentiate between yeah, the two. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I think you just got to tell yourself you're excited, haven't you? And then you're like, yeah, yeah I've yeah. got this. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm. How about you, LGD? How do I feel? How am I? Do you know what? I'm excited. I think last year was a really interesting year for us as a business, as people, as a society. And, you know, a lot of things happened last year, especially post-COVID. It was like last year was like the first proper year out of that, wasn't it? Mm. So now this year, I feel excited to see like how the year's going to unfold. Like, I know this year is going to be super special for us. Like, I can feel it in my bones, like... Even like on New Year's Day, I remember like sitting there with my partner and like just had this overwhelming emotion of like, oh my God, this year is going to be it. It's, this is going to be like, and I, I even now saying, I feel, yeah, <laughs> I can feel so it. That's excitement. I can feel right? it in my chest. Yeah. Like yeah. it feels weird. Like I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> but yeah, I can feel like it's going to be the one. So like, I just feel super excited and I'm kind of like, don't want to wish it all away, but I do mm. want to wish it like, I want to see to the end. I want to like, <laughs> I want to get to December and be like, wow, we did it. We did it. Yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. Also nervous. <laughs> a bit of everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you're super excited, but at the same time, you don't want to jinx it. But then mm. you also want to appreciate that kind of like excitement as well. So it's like, how do you find balance between the two? But ah, it's so great. Well, we'll talk about your plans for Sisu in 2023. But before we start, I'd love to hear from you, your story and who you are right from the beginning good <laughs> okay do you want to go first yeah okay <laughs> my legs first so i started off in fashion i left school when i was 18 didn't go into further education i wanted to get out and work and earn some money Although at that time I didn't realise that fashion was probably not going to earn me so much money. Um, started off just like running, like Devil Wears Prada, I was working for a supplier and I was like constantly running samples all around London. Moved on to like reception and then I went into the design room and I was a design assistant and I designed trims and things like that and then I worked in production. I was like the fashion industry whore basically. I've done every job you can imagine and then I ended up in luxury fashion and working in computer design where I did photography and retouching and I worked a lot with employee engagement and some of HR on like well-being strategies and it was there that I just kind of like found what I feel like was my purpose. I love fashion and it's always been like, you know, creativity has always been really important to me from school. Like I did art and graphics, but it was the interaction with people and just like, they're just, you know, people are so interesting. Everyone has a different story. Everyone has a different challenge or trauma or happiness. And, you know, people are just like this massive curiosity mm. basically and that and that is what really sort of gets me going because I want to be able to connect people with other people and 
help people and inspire people. So it's really, I'm very people-centric. Mm-hmm. I think if you're getting that vibe, I hope you are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so when I got to, I got to work with, like, employee engagement and, um, and be part of, like, these sort of groups, workforce, advisory council, that sort of thing, I kind of realised this is where I need to be. Like, I kind of need to drop out the whole fashion side of things and just actually focus on people. Yeah, that's kind of my backstory. I'm not going to go into CC yet. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let Ology mm. Day tell his backstory before we... Before we sort of go into how before we, we before we bring it together, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so I, I'm on a G day. Born in London, I guess my journey is a bit different to Louise's because I finished school, went to college, did hospitality. I wanted to be a chef. I wanted to go to France and just study Le Cordon Bleu. But my parents, being Nigerian, they were like, you cannot be a chef, you're black. <laughs> well, wow. You'll see that my parents come up quite a lot in these stories. <laughs> but yeah, they were like, you can't be a chef because you're black. Um, you need to go to university and we're not going to pay for you to go to France. So I went to university and studied events management. Basically went to uni to study how to put on parties. Um, <laughs> like, which, I think 95% of people. Yeah, <laughs> and, and I'm, a really, I'm really good at putting on a party. I am yeah. really good at putting a party on. I've always worked, so throughout, like, before like before uni at college and at uni, I've always worked in hospitality. My first job was in hospitality at TGI Fridays, and I remember walking into TGI Fridays on my work experience and feeling at home. I felt like I found my people mm-hmm. and I've never felt like I felt I always felt like I stuck out like a sore thumb or I always felt like I wasn't part of some of like a group and working in hospitality in the restaurant made me feel like I was part of something because everyone was so different it's such a diverse industry to work in is hospitality and I when I found my home I found my people there was you know and I and I and I loved it so I've, I worked in hospitality throughout university I worked my way up to like management level. When I graduated university with my degree, I was an assistant manager of a restaurant in Leeds and I wanted to stay in hospitality. Like I was like, this is for me, this is what I want to do. I've always wanted to stay, like work in restaurants. I've always had a dream of owning my own restaurant. So I stayed in hospitality, worked in restaurants for probably like another three or four years until I realised that I was putting on too much weight. I was <laughs> drinking <laughs> loads. I was having the most, I wasn't having a social life, I wasn't seeing my friends, and I didn't like what I saw in the mirror. So I decided to make a change. I was headhunted and went into recruitment, and I worked in recruitment for over 10 years, which I, which sounds so weird. I don't know how you did it. It sounds so weird saying that I worked somewhere for over 10 years like in an industry, because well, today's my birthday and I'm 35, and I'm just like, the years are starting to like really add up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, ma- when you start counting in 10 years, yeah, like in when decades. You're, when you're like going, oh, I, I did a decade. Yeah. A decade. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I forgot how old he was. Yeah. We had a little business away trip recently yeah. and in the car, wasn't it? And, yeah. I, and I was like, oh, your 35th birthday. He was like, what? What? I thought I'm I was not- turning 34. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, a, yeah, you start to realise that, like, you know, your life is really like going by quite quickly. Mm. Anyway, back to the story. <laughs> so I worked in hospitality, but I did move then moved into recruitment, worked in recruitment, but I wanted to stay hospitality. So I did hospitality recruitment. I did temp recruitment. I did perm recruitment and then moved internal and I went for a company called Weatherspoons. You may have heard of them. Um, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I worked up the ladder in Weatherspoons and became, you know, a senior recruiter. And I was leading the team there and recruiting for 950 pubs and hotels around the country, which is 
it's like wild to even think that, that I even did it because at one point I was doing it on my own. I didn't actually have a team because everyone left. But during the process, <laughs> well, during yeah. the process of working there, I realised during the move from working in a restaurant environment to working in an office environment that there was actually a lack of diversity in certain elements. And what I mean by that is there was, I guess, less about diversity and more about representation. So in the restaurants, there's representation from all different walks of life. And when you go and work in an office environment, you really started to not see that representation so much. Mm. And I always believe that you cannot be what you don't see. And I could, mm. didn't see anyone like me in the office. And I got told so many times working in office to dim my light to not be so loud, to change the way I spoke, mm. to not speak out in meetings. And I basically was didn't feel included in things. I didn't feel like I belong. And then I left Weatherspoons after doing some amazing projects there, worked on an amazing diversity project there where I, you know, had budget to do some wild things I'd never really able to do anywhere else. So I learned a lot. And then I moved to another hospitality brand called GBK, again, where I learned so much. And I was able to implement their DNI strategy there as well, which was, again, it's, it started to get me into this space of wanting to do more around diversity and inclusion. And I guess that's where me and Louisa then had our conversation and where, I guess, it wasn't even CC at the time. Um, <laughs> we had a, it was just a conversation and then it's... Well, it was, no, we had a rebrand before we launched. We actually <laughs> didn't call it CC, did we? We're weirdos, okay? <laughs> we are weirdos. No, we, so we had a no. conversation in the pub. We went to the pub in yeah. Farringdon, the fence. Love the fence. Shout out to the fence. And we were talking. I had basically finished work and I'd had an incident happen at work. Am I going to talk about the incident? Yeah. And I had an incident <laughs> happen at work where I was head of recruitment. I have my own P&L, my own budget. I'm allowed to do whatever I want my month with the money as long as it's, it comes into to budget. Mm. I paid for someone to take some photos and a video for something. And the gentleman's name was an African name, similar to my... His surname is similar to mine, but not the same as my surname. And the finance director called me into a room and said, I think you've committed fraud. And I was like, sorry. He was like, mm. you've paid your brother. This person, <gasps> must, this person must be your brother or like related to you and you can't pay your own family from your own money. And I was like, what, where, where have you come with that con like conclusion mm. from? And he's like, I can tell from the names. And, yeah. and I was just, and I was at this point in my career, I think I have, I had, had I've seen racism. I'd seen racism I've been part of racism like, I've been part of that conversation so I know what it looks like and I but I still was shell-shocked I was literally standing in this office thinking I don't even know what to say to you because this is something that you can't even you can't you can't predict this is going to come come into you it's going to happen mm -hmm. anyway I walked out of there I was really upset and I remember going to the CEO at the time and saying this is what's happened I want to make a formal complaint he then gaslit me and said oh I think he's probably just joking you know what he's like He's probably, mm. Don't take it seriously, blah, blah, blah. I completely brushed it to one side. And then I met you in the pub. And, yeah. and I was you like... Let loose. Vented. I literally and... vented over yeah. several bottles of red wine. Yeah. And, and you were venting about something else as well that happened at work. And we both were just sitting there just like seething. Enough is enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly just, that. Yeah, just feeling like... How can people? How can people be expected to go to work, be treated like this, and then go home, and then come back into work the next day and just pretend mm. like everything's okay? Like it's not fair. I think I felt like I had potential. I had, I had seen it so many times in so many different ways, and I've seen so many people being torn down 
and left feeling like nothing and felt like they didn't belong and they become shells of themselves. And I was like, that's not right. You can't go into work and leave mm. feeling like you're a shell of yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's actually similar to how you were at one point when, when you were working. Yeah, massively, yeah. For me, it was after I had Maisie, my daughter, I felt like I didn't have a place in the fashion industry because I had a commitment at home. It was almost like I just got branded a single mum all the time that that wasn't able to commit to big projects or I was never considered to be that person mm-hmm. with no like evidence of that whatsoever because I used to get up in the morning at like 5am. I don't drive. I would get the train to um, the next sort of place, drop my daughter to nursery for like seven in the morning, get on the train, commute to London get back pick her up at 6 30 then get another train home and I did that every day for a good couple of years before I was like I've had enough of this shit (laughs) because people just didn't take me seriously like Mm. I wasn't promoted when I should have been promoted I wasn't considered for big projects when I should have been like I was Mm. the lead in my department and I wasn't getting the exposure and the support mm. that I should have had. And that was definitely something that I moaned about a lot. Mm. I mean, I say moaned, I feel like rightly so. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, it, I think that was one of the things that was we were talking about that day, that mm. evening when we'd finished work. And I was like, I've just had enough of, of not being valued mm. for like my skill set. And I'm yeah. actually really, really fucking good at my job. Mm. And... And not being seen, like you were like not being seen, like you were literally being completely overshone because you had seen the wrong way. Yeah, you yeah because you have a child, because you're single, because you've got commitments. It just was ridiculous. Yeah, it was just it was absolutely. We both sat there just like, what can we do to change this? Yeah, what do we do? And we were like, we're literally sitting there gulping our wine, and we went, why don't we set up a consultancy? Yeah, businesses do this, and I remember I turned around to you guys and I went, I feel like the market's extremely saturated. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's it's not really saturated because I think when you start that kind of business where your goal is really to change things and have an impact on people and on the way things are, Mm. then it's never going to be saturated because. Even if you impact one person, this mm. person is going to impact another one with, you know, your work and Absolutely. your experience. Yeah, and I think like, you're so right. I think that's one of the things that we said was that if it was saturated, then we wouldn't be doing, then we wouldn't be feeling this at work because yeah. mm, the exactly. problem would have been solved. Yeah, right. Yeah. And there's clearly that people are there's people are doing it, but there's not enough people doing it. And if, mm. they're do, there's, if there is, they're not doing it right. So <laughs> how do we do it and do it right and make sure that we? do it differently and that was one of the things that we said was like because I remember I kept on I remember saying to you this wasn't still at the pub by the way but we had left the pub by this point <laughs> we'd said enough at the pub and we were like we need to go and do a business plan and come back together and we did and we remember we sat there and I was like we need a USP yeah like, we need to know what are what's going to set us aside from everyone else and the USP was really easy because mm. I had actually worked with different consultants already mm. throughout my career, DNI consultants throughout my career who'd come into my business and like the business I was working at and helped within with our DNI strategy. And I said to Lou that they've they've all come at it from a HR point of view. They've yeah. all come at it from a this is how you protect your business. This is the policies, this is the procedures, this is the law. We didn't have people first at mm. the heart of it. It didn't mm. lead with people. It didn't lead with empathy. It didn't lead with love. And I was like, what we need to do is do it where we it's not about protecting the business. It's about actually protecting the people. people. And it's about 
Which is easy for us because that is what we were coming for the angle we were coming from anyway. Mm. There was no one there protecting us when we needed protecting in mm. big businesses. That was an easy conclusion for us. Absolutely easy. And then the other thing, USP for us was that it was us. Like the other thing that I'd seen from other in, from other consultants is that they don't have the lived experiences. Mm. Like we actually mm. have lived experiences. We use our lived experiences. We're well networked as well. We have friends that have also similar experiences mm. who share their experiences with us. We listen intently to other people's stories so that we can use those stories within our training. So that is what sets us apart from other people. And I was like, that's what our USP needs to be. Our USP is, is us. We just mm. basically be ourselves. Yeah, which is weird considering <laughs> we've been working places where we weren't able to be ourselves. <laughs> yeah, um, but that's the way you learned that actually that was wrong mm. and that there was something to, to change, right? And I think it's interesting what you said about that, you know, some people are doing it, but they're doing it the wrong way. Mm. Is that what you mean when, you know, you talk about people coming at you from a policy regulation perspective and not from a people perspective? Is that how you describe it? Or it's not about just saying what's wrong you know but it's also about understanding because there's so many i think people you know being in the diversity equity and inclusion space and as you said we don't necessarily always see the impact that mm. this is having so i think it would be interesting to know like what you know what you think about that like in terms of some people doing it maybe not in the right way and what's the right way and what people can actually do to change things i think for me one of the things that i had noticed was I think people always want to, obviously DEI work is started off from with businesses wanting to make sure they do the right thing, mm. but the, and, it, and it got lost in translation because them doing the right thing was them making sure that they didn't put a foot wrong mm. and, it, and them making sure that they had the right policies in place so that no one could take them to the court mm. and they don't lose out of money. And then, and over the years, that's just been the way that things have done within the DEI space. Mm. And I think, and that's why it always sits in HR because it's always seen as a HR thing. Mm. And I think from our point of view, whenever we do this work, we always like to say that it's, it, it's not a HR thing. It's not just a HR thing. It's it's a HR, it's a training thing. It's a whole business thing. It's a whole, it's a movement that a whole business yeah. needs to come on board with rather than it being a HR thing. And I think that was how we always, that's how I think we see we see this as a, as a change maker. The only way to make change is for everyone to come on the journey with us rather than it being solely down to one department. Also, in terms of like us saying that, you know, there's other consultancies out there that are doing it mm. wrong, like there's no sort of wrong or right, right. way, but mm. there is maybe more ethical ways. Mm. And I think like for us, it's, it's, it's never been about tick boxing and mm. making money. Whereas I think a lot of consultancies that we've been in, relations with mm. you can kind of tell that there is a sort of standard process and this is about the money at the end of it and mm. then we'll leave you to your own devices and and there's no connection or or partnership made whereas for us you know there's been times where we've turned brands down to work with them because we don't see the um, the intention behind it, the real ethical in intention. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. The mm -hmm. morally, you know, right thing. Mm -hmm. Like, there's no real reason for them to be doing it other than mm -hmm. looking good. Yeah. 
and doing the right work. So yeah, there's been times where we've been like, do you know what, you're not for us, sorry, mm. because yeah, we might come and do a workshop with you, and then what are you going to do after that? And that you know, how are you going to leave your people, and how will your people feel after that? And if you don't have those goals in mind already, then for us, you're not really on the journey. You're just mm. tick boxing, yeah, and a bit of lip service, yeah. and, and we're we're just not about that. Yeah, it's so interesting that you think that because I. Well, I worked for um, a couple of companies as well. And so I was looking after like the diversity, equity and inclusion transformation program, the well-being program for employees and stuff. And I actually felt like completely the same way because mm. I was the only one looking after the whole transformation for the whole 350 plus people department. And you know like you said sometimes it's just about the money but sometimes they don't even put the money like they don't even invest a penny Mm -hmm. into actually transforming you know if you talk about transformation and long-term transformation and you know investing in your people then you need to invest the resources and you know the absolutely and that's exactly that it was all about like tick boxing and yeah yeah just it's performative, isn't it? That's exactly. the problem with yeah. And that's and that's something that I've been really conscious of when we when we do the work that we do. And it, you know, one of the things that we always talk to our clients about is that you know it's, we're not here to just come in and solve one problem mm. or to or to be a bandage over a, a situation. We want to come and actually be like embedded into your business and a really like long term partnership rather than it being a single solution. And I think a lot of people now are starting to realise that it you can't just do one training course or one workshop and then fix diversity and inclusion. Mm. It has to be an ongoing piece of work and it has to be it's something commitment. that... commitment. Yeah, you have, to imbe- you have to actually embed it into your everyday. You have to yeah. embed it into your processes, into the way you're thinking, mm. into business decisions and stuff like that. And mm. I think the problem with it, again, going back to what I originally said, the problem with it being a HR thing is that it, you mm. f- completely forget about embedding it into mm. your everyday, into processes. You, f- you, mm. f- you focus mainly on just policies and... And that's not enough. Yeah, exactly. And even from an employee perspective, if it comes from HR, sometimes, you know, the vision you're going to have is, oh, it's another HR thing. Yeah. Mm. When, yeah. if it's actually coming from the leadership team or, you know, even the company across department and stuff, then, you know, it's a serious thing and a serious transformation that needs to happen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that's what's important as well is that, mm. you know, that it, it does come from leadership mm. and, and above because that's when your employees will buy into the mm. fact that you are making a transformation and that you are serious and committed to mm. to this journey of culture change. Mm. And so going back to your story, so um, you both had your like experiences independently and actually it might be like good for listeners to know how you met and <laughs> kind of how you came up to create... <laughs> Now Sisu, right? Uh, yeah, we didn't. We didn't meet in the pub. <laughs> <laughs> we have known each other since we were teenagers. So uh, one of my school friends uh, left school and went to college, and met Ology Day at college. Um, I stayed at school and did A levels, but be, she was kind of like the bridge between mm. us and and college friends. And so we used to go out together and you know mm. just do 
stuff that you do when you're teenagers. <laughs> yeah, we used um, to go out all the time, go, uh, yeah. we used to go away on wacky weekends. <laughs> wacky weekends, honestly. <laughs> Rave parties. Like, I'm older than 35 now. <laughs> wacky weekends, what the hell? <laughs> wacky weekends. That's a new word for me now that I'm 35. Wacky weekends, yeah, like, you know, we used to go on holidays together, we used to go to a We say there. used to, but we still do that. <laughs> we still do that, obviously. But this is like how we, yeah, yeah we so we, grew we, our relationship. We just yeah. bonded and we... Yeah, I mean, it wasn't always roses with you and I, was it? No. We had a bit of, like, personality clash yeah. for some time. It was kind of like love-hate. So we yeah. loved each other, but we used to argue like cat and dog. Yeah, because we're both, <laughs> we're both very fiery characters. Yeah. Uh, and so, when, when we, especially when we drink, it used to just be like a whirlwind. People just didn't want to go out with us sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> they knew the the night it was gonna be yeah, wild. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. They did. We've had some. We've had some altercations. We'll call them. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I've, I think as we've grown older and wiser, we've definitely found that it's okay to have those fiery moments. But you know, deep down with behind it all, all, there's still just a lot of love there. And I think it's like love, but also like appreciation for who we are as individuals. Like mm. we're both very in tune I think with our emotions and 100%, and, yeah. and so that really helps actually as a business for us as a business because mm. we're very emotional people I think that's probably why we've we've yeah. grown to to become like that because we have the, had this like you know mad upbringing of one another yeah and I also think I, I, I also <laughs> we think, raised each other we did I think I think when we were younger we both had a lot of I'd say, I call it trauma. trauma. We had a lot of trauma. Yeah. And yeah. so the trauma led to anger. It led to frustrations with the world, with society. Yeah. Mm. And as we grow old, grew older, we were able to identify those things and talk about them. And then we realised that we had so much in, more in common than just mm. like... Than what we even realised. What we realised. And that drew us together. And that's what's helping us as a business to continue driving because we keep... We always refer back to those, those I guess, those traumas and those yeah. learnings that we... I mean, I talk to Lou about things all the time, whether it's... Even if it's not about work, even about, like, personal stuff with me and my partner, mm. and, like, she does the same. Just and literally everything. And, like, we're just, like, mm. we're best friends, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's my sister. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so good to, to, to see that. And I think, you know, even for um, people to know that you know, to, to build a business, actually, it's really important to, if you want to be like two people, if you want to build a business with, I don't know, your best friend or your sister. Or don't brother do it. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're going to end up <laughs> killing so each other. It's so hard because, yeah. like, well, when we first sort of said to our other friends that we're, we're, we're doing this business together, they were kind of like, what? Yeah. Like, how they are you going to manage that? They were literally <laughs> like, don't think it's a good idea. <laughs> don't think it's a good idea. And we both were like, hmm. We're adults. We can do this. We got this. And I think I, my advice to people, if they are setting up your business with your friend, I think it's it's about honesty. Honesty, yeah. First and foremost, mm. like you have to be so transparent with one another because there's days like you know you're just in a really bad mood or you know you've got like other commitments going on and it's such a big commitment to start up your own business. You have to wear every single hat going that you can imagine within a company and you're managing a lot, you're managing each other, mm. you know, you're managing your personal life. So being honest and transparent with one another about how you're feeling and your opinions on certain things and, you know, where mm. you want to take the company and what your goals are, like you have to have that, 
down and you have to have those conversations as well to make sure that you are actually on the same page mm. all of the time and keep revisiting those conversations and i also think like one of the things that we've learned um and i think it's really important when you set up a business especially with a friend is identifying your strengths oh, because God, yeah. i think when we first started we were both really honest and we were like this is what i can do this is what i can bring to the table and you were like this is what i bring I mean, it's, it, and it's been really clear like who's good at what rather than mm. both mm. of us trying to do everything mm. it's actually you know giving each other the the work that suits each like the, the, mm. the person if that makes sense and i think as well it's like you always i think when i always if i get angry about something or frustrated i will take a second and go i sometimes have to split business to friend yeah. like you have to go louisa's my friend that's no that's never going to change yeah. louisa my, the ceo my business partner i'm gonna have to have a serious word because <laughs> this, do you know what i mean and you have to yeah. sometimes split that and be like okay we're gonna have this serious conversation and, we, and what's really funny about us too this is ridiculous by the way this is absolutely ridiculous. i love it we have a whatsapp group <laughs> with just the two of us for work right. <laughs> and then we have our normal whatsapp which is just that conversation <laughs> because in the whatsapp group for work oh it's how we step it's how I've, I've we've managed to separate it because yeah we can, have, so smart, actually, we can have conversations about work and like yeah. we can go in about work and it go in at work and you leave it and you close it and you go and have a conversation about normal life and sometimes those two groups are actually running at the same time yeah so we'll be wow. like oh hey babes like what are you doing this weekend <laughs> what are your plans and then at the same time like oh by the way you need to email such and such and we've got to speak to the accountant and these two conversations are running parallel <laughs> but that's such a good tip because that's you're actually um dissociating boundaries. the friend yeah, and yeah yes, exactly that's boundaries exactly. yeah um, so good yeah and yeah. i think and i think when we first did it we were both like it's a bit stupid we didn't we didn't actually do it for that reason um <laughs> we just thought it was cool <laughs> <laughs> we well that's smart too. And, and, now, and now and now that we've done it, it it makes so much sense and like there's been moments where you're like i can't do i can't i'm not going to be able to do messages before seven o'clock or seven a.m and i'm like okay cool well i work i start early yeah. and she'll pick up things when she wakes up and it works really well and as we grow as a business and as we grow as people we're, to, we're creating new boundaries and that was one of the hoo-ha moments wasn't it yeah he kept messaging me at like yeah. seven in the morning and i was like I'm doing the school run. Can you stop messaging me at this time? And he's like, yeah, but I start work at like eight. So I have to say what's on my mind before. And I was like, right, okay, yeah, I don't actually have to reply when you send yeah. the message. And that was yeah. like a note to myself. I had to be like, okay, this is fine. Yeah, <laughs> It's okay that he does that. So I was getting so stressed, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's again, it's, and it's just that conversation. It's just about having those honest conversations, and sometimes we have to. Sometimes we both have to shake each other and be like, "You need to, you need to grow up." Yeah, <laughs> calm down. Calm down. Get it together. Get it together. Like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, you both have to manage your relationship, but also, I guess, you need a lot of self awareness about. Because mm. I think building a business also is very different from you know working in a company, and I mean, I feel it from my mm. perspective as well, and I'm by myself, but. Every day I'm learning more about, you know, who I am and how I like to work and like putting boundaries with myself as well. So it's even more, I mean, I guess, difficult when you're two people to manage both the relationship and also your own boundaries, yeah. right? 
yeah yeah and and it's like you are learning so much about yourself and each other at the same time it's mm-hmm. like your work ethic and and how you like to work it's like when you you know you work for somebody else you're going into work every day you're like nine till five thirty or whatever and the you have to be in the office for these hours and this is what you're doing and you've got somebody project managing for you mm-hmm. sometimes and telling you what to do and what needs to be done when like you don't have any of that mm. when you're setting up by yourself as mm. you mm. you know you know you now know I think actually it's probably easier to have a business partner mm-hmm. to have somebody to like kind of pick you up on the days where you're feeling not not so motivated or like remind you of something if you've forgotten or you know at least we have each other to bounce off and and you know we've created this new way of working for ourselves mm. but when you're by yourself like mm. I can imagine that you know you, yeah. you have to have all the self-motivation yeah. you're the only person that's like you know pushing you and mm. patting you on the back yeah so yeah, yeah very different to, to you. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always yeah. say I always Difficult. say this to Lou um, you know I'm like I don't think I could do this on my own don't think I could do it because mm. it's just it's just every day we're having to wear, like you said, different hats and do different things and motivate each other. And yeah. and also when you're having conversations with people, like sometimes even when I do meetings on my own without Lou, I'm like, oh, I just wish Lou was here because I just need someone to bounce off. Mm. Or like, it's just yeah. nice to have someone to to have be there, yeah. to have your back and yeah. like support you. And sometimes when you're having those difficult conversations as well, mm. it's nice to have someone in your corner as well with you to have those difficult conversations. So mm. yeah, yeah. I, I, mean, I mean, we're very, we're very lucky because... I know a lot of few people that have started businesses up with their friends and it just hasn't worked out because, mm. and then their friendship has ended as well. Like, and I, I think that we're so far so good, touch, <laughs> touch wood. But I, I think it's that, you know, we've, we've managed to, to do really well for two and a half years and, and, you know, I think we'll be fine. and look you know there's been times where we've both had those moments where we're like oh my gosh I just want to throw the towel in like I can't I can't Mm. do this anymore like and and those moments are it's so crucial to have somebody else Mm. you know next to you by your side saying no like this is why we're doing this Mm. remind Mm. you why we're doing this you know look at how far we've come and Mm. be grateful and stick at it and Mm -hmm. you know I think if you don't have if you haven't got that person, it's much harder to, mm. to get through those days where you're like, oh, I just can't yeah. be bothered anymore. Like, yeah. this is too much. But yeah, we've always we've always got each other to, to um, pick one another up. So mm. yeah, blessed and grateful. Yeah, no, that's great. And I mean, yeah, as you said, like from even a mental health perspective and especially in your field of work, I feel like, you know, with everything that we see in the world from you know a human rights perspective Mm. or like you know from stories in the workplace of other injustice or discrimination and and so on i'd love to hear more about your experience with that and how you manage your your mental health too because i you know sometimes i feel like in my work too i'm so motivated to do things and i'm like okay like we need to make a change there are stuff to do and and stuff but then you take one step forward and it's like, you know, something happens and then you're like, oh my God, the world is actually going backward. Mm. And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Sorry. I'm wondering. <laughs> I'm laughing That's... because I literally have those conversations all the time where I'm like, everyone's a dickhead. <laughs> Hate you all. <laughs> yeah, and you know, we're doing this work in the background and, you know, we're trying to move things forward and make, you know, really impactful change. And, yeah. mm. and then you see what's happening in the world and you're like, oh, just 
you know what's the point yeah, exactly yeah. yeah yeah and i think it goes back to what you said at the beginning right at the beginning which is if you can help one person mm. then then our job's done and i think that's like sometimes i have moments where i have those thoughts where I'm like sitting there and I'm watching things on the news and I try not to watch the news anymore because it's it's too news. much. Yeah. Yeah. Or I hear stories or like we're doing a training for workshop and I hear someone's story and I'm like, I feel so sad that you've had to experience that mm. and it makes me really sad and I go, as long as I'm able to help one person, you know, I can't deal with, I can't think about every other person's story and all the other stuff that's going on in the world because I've got no control of that. The mm. things I have got control of is the things I'm going to focus on. But I think when it comes to like mental health and well-being, it's something that, you know, in terms of our my own and our own like well-being, it's something that we, you know, I'd say that because we're friends, it really helps because mm. we've able, we're able to vent to each other mm. so often. I mean, I went into Lou last night. I texted Lou last night. I was in the bathroom. I probably shouldn't share this, but I'm an oversharer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in the bathroom and I was like, Lou, I hate everyone. I'm so angry. I'm anxious. And I'm and I'm in the b- bathroom doing breathing exercises. What do I do? <laughs> it's like those moments where I know that I can text Lou and she'll come mm. she'll text back with advice or if I really wanted to I could have picked up the phone and called her or I could have mm. walked up to the top of the road and had a conversation because <laughs> she lives that much she lives not far from yeah, me we don't yeah. really <laughs> no. um, we're basically in each other's pockets <laughs> <laughs> you can knock at each, at each other's door and yeah, be like yeah, yeah I need bas- help basically yeah. it's nice that we have that because we're able to lean on each other for certain situations and the other thing that I'd say as well is that because I do a lot of work with a company at the moment that we work we're working closely with and I'm working with them like mostly every day mm-hmm. and I'm hearing a lot of stuff and I'm taking on a lot of baggage and I started to feel like I was losing myself in, in the work and like I was starting to lose the passion and the drive because I was taking on too much of mm-hmm. other people's experiences and it was making me feel sad so I had to go and get a therapist because it was a, I needed to speak and talk about it but with someone that wasn't associated with it all mm. and won't have an opinion on it because mm. I just needed to vent and and so that's been really useful for me personally is having someone to talk to and have a therapist because uh, sometimes it just gets a bit like you just want someone to say you want to talk to someone and be like I'm angry at the world mm. I don't know why I'm angry at the world it's a lot yeah yeah and then and hard. then they, and then they unpack that for you and and there's mm. no judgment and there's no like you know, and do you know what I mean? You just mm. it's, it's nice to have, and I felt like that's really, really useful for me. A hundred percent, I agree. And I think with a therapist as well, they're like they don't have the need to fix. Yeah, you know, mm. like when you talk to your friends and stuff, like yes. you have this like need to give a solution and and, and mm. fix something, and sometimes that's not actually it's not helpful. No. Exactly, yeah. it's not it's not the most helpful solution. Mm. So sometimes it is just better to have somebody who like you said, is not associated and not going to have an opinion and not, not be like, oh, well, you know, if you can do, if you just do this, then this will be better. And then you can, you know, yeah. or like giving too many solutions. Sometimes you just want somebody to listen mm. and yeah, just vent off. Yeah. And I think another, well, one, the other thing I think also helps as well with, with our work is that we don't take ourselves too seriously. No. Like, mm. and I, and I, and this work, <laughs> this work is serious. Don't get me wrong. It is serious, but, it's, we don't there's no need to make it serious there's no need to take it too seriously you can have a laugh with it and I think that's one of the things that comes out when we do our training or yeah. when we do our talks and when we do any work is that we always bring our personality to it because it makes it 
much more enjoyable to do um and we have mm. so many laughs when we do this work and like even when we're doing like like things that should be probably quite like serious like yeah. you know putting together a workshop we will be laughing and giggling about it and i think that helps as well because mm. it just mm. takes the edge off yeah yeah it really does and and for us like we're, we're never going to change that that's going to that's our therapy in itself yeah and i'm and i love that that really helps and it's part of your values as well of like being authentic mm. right? oh, it's definitely. About being yourself as you said at the beginning it's about just bring yourself to work and just be yourself and yeah yeah and that makes people feel comfortable yeah. people feel at ease and they feel more in, you know willing to share mm. and engage and like don't get us wrong like that we've had many workshops where you know the emotion has has gone more negative and people feel you know, the emotion pulled out of them and they get upset and they get sad and they, and they you know, they cry and then we cry as well. Mm. Like, we cry with the people that we're running the workshops with. Like, there is a whole array of emotions, mm. but ultimately we are there to make people feel better and mm. to feel seen and heard. And, mm. and part of that is just having a bit of a josh about. Mm. Yeah, and yeah, then, definitely. And I think as well, like the thing that we, uh, the first year, I would say that we didn't reward ourselves for the work that we were doing. Mm -hmm. So we were doing the work and we were just doing the work. We were driving and driving and driving. And and so I think our mental health in the first year of having the business was probably like low. Mm. It, was, it was bad. <laughs> our well-being was bad. And then and obviously we were in COVID as yeah. well. Oh, so, on top of that. Yeah, yeah, on top of that. So, you know, it was a tough year. But then I think that, like, the second year we started to, we, we, we were like, we you were know. learning about our worth and, yeah. and you know, and, and also like how, just how to run a business mm. as well and, and value it. We didn't reward ourselves. We were taking on a lot of new information in order to build ourselves out. And also like, you know, a lot of a lot of big events happened in that first year with George Floyd. Um, we were doing a lot of anti-racist courses, um, workshops for people. So we were hearing so much more of people's lived experiences within within this field and 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 racism. And Ola Gide's obviously experienced that firsthand. I I haven't experienced that directly. Hearing those stories of of other people, I've heard Ola Gide's many times, and they do they do cut. But uh, hearing how extensive racism mm. is for people even just you know on a day-to-day -day, mm. it's it is huge and that was a huge eye-opener for me and yeah like not like oh woe is me a lot to take on but it was just a very big sort of slap in the face and, and a shock to understand that actually this this is a big deal and now we've got we've got a lot of work to do yeah. and we're about to bite a big chunk off yeah. here <laughs> start chewing chewing yeah. hard mm, yeah well yeah. The, the work you're doing is hard yeah mm. it's hard. It hard but that's why it's so um, important to reward like that's why it's so important to reward yourself yeah. to take some time out like we mm. did an away day and yeah. like a couple of months ago and like we went to a spa and it was just like nice to relax although we did work 
it was nice to <laughs> it was nice to relax as well and just have a laugh and like mm. I think for us it's like it's important to make sure that we get those booked in and we're taking the time to reward ourselves and mm. enjoy the fruits of our labour. My yeah. mum would always say, enjoy the fruits of your labour. <laughs> and, and I think that's really important. That helps your mental health mm. and your well-being, and it yeah. also pushes you to want to continue doing the work. Yeah, and I think it would be interesting to know as well because, I mean, I met you at um, like the talk, like, conference that you did over the summer um, with yeah, uh, Let's Talk and I found that you know it was so interesting that you took the perspective of talking about diversity, equity and inclusion with mental health mm-hmm. and I think you know well I've seen that in companies that sometimes they separate the two when yeah. actually it is incredibly related right yeah, yeah. So it would be interesting to know, and I mean, for listeners to know, how do you make that happen in organization? And, you know, if you could talk about the intersection of both and why it's so important, because I think sometimes people don't necessarily see why the two are connected. I think, I mean, the, the, for, in, in the, in the simplest form, if you, are excluded or discriminated against day in day out how is that gonna affect how you feel about yourself and the thoughts that you're having obviously they're going to be negative Mm -hmm. because you are experiencing something that is negative and for me that's the simplest form of explaining how diversity inclusion equity is connected to people's well-being Mm -hmm. because if you don't feel like you belong if you don't feel like you're part of a group or a community or a workforce or whatever it may be a family your friendship circle whatever it is Mm -hmm. if you don't feel like you're a part of it and you're included in it and you're not feel you're not being seen and you're not being heard you're not being treated the way that you deserve to be treated that is individual to you specific Mm -hmm. to your needs then ultimately you are going to end up feeling like shit and you're going to be talking to yourself in a negative way and you know that is going to have an effect on your health and the way that you see the world as well. I think you know from experience I would say that diversity, inclusion and equity whatever which whichever whichever words you want to use if it's <laughs> DEI, EEI whatever whichever which, whichever way I think <laughs> it's it makes sense for your DEI strategy to sit with your well-being strategy, for it to be interchangeable and locked together. Mm. And, you know, one of the clients we work with, you know, we built their strategy um, with their, their DEI strategy, with their well-being strategy, and it works so well because, you know, for instance, we have set up, we work with a client called Turtle Bay, their restaurant brand, and as part of their well-being strategy, we have got them to appoint well-being champions within their business. So each of their restaurants has a well-being champion. And those well-being champions are people that have volunteered to do the role. They've gone through mental health first aid. Mm-hmm. They've gone through a well-being training. They've had one-on-one counselling sessions. They've had group therapy sessions as well. But they are also champions of the quality and inclusion work because they understand mm-hmm the work that the why the work needs to be done so they not only work within your business as well-being champions but they also work with as as equality and inclusion champions the synergy of us 
doing the work around equality and diversity and educating the teams on how to be inclusive has led to them wanting to make sure that they look after their own well-being as well. Mm. So it all just works so well together and I don't know how to how else to explain it. It's just it it just needs to sit together. Yeah. And I think if you build a strategy where you you put you you build it together, you'll start to see that the champions or the E and I champions or whatever you have internally, they start to gel and synergy together. I don't know how to else describe it. I'm not describing it very well. But, but no, just... that makes sense. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. needs to come from the people inside the company yeah. and, and kind of almost create advocacy from. Everyone yes. in the company. Uh, One thing I will say though is because a lot of a lot of the time it is internal and it is about your networking champions or mm. yeah whatever you want to call them. Margies. Yeah, these people are volunteering because this work is important to them. Also because they've gone through something themselves. I was yeah. just about to say, or yeah. they've or they've experienced trauma mm. in some way, shape, or form that is relevant to these fields, even though they've volunteered to do the work it doesn't mean that you can take the piss out of them and mm. that, that you know you have to as a company an organization you have to reward these people and you have to take care of them because they are taking care of your business for you willingly without any extra you know pay mm. or rewards always like even if it is just an acknowledgement and a conversation with the group and the individuals on the work that they've done. If you're senior leadership, then you need to be engaged with what these people are doing. Mm. 100%. The thing, I just remember the thing that I was trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I was trying to say was that when you start to do the work together, you start to find that if you have your ears to the ground with around well-being, you'll start to see that some of the topics that come out of the things that you're your teams are not feeling comfortable around or, you know they might say that their well-being is not right because they haven't got a work-life balance mm. and, and then you start to see that it feeds into the fact that that might come from a single parent who's not that they're, they're not being seen as a single parent and they're being treated like everyone else and mm. so there's no equity there for that person mm. and then you go actually then we need to figure out a better way for us to work and the process for that person to make sure that they feel like they can belong in here in this business yeah. so you start to see that it it feeds into each other. That's mm. what I was trying to say. Drop <laughs> <laughs> the mic. <laughs> Is it, I mean, it's, these are amazing ways to actually mm. start building your strategies, having these kinds of groups, because this is where, you know, the honest conversations start happening. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's it's interesting because I think for this kind of work, it's obviously a bottom-up approach, but we need top down to right we need mm. like as we said the whole business to actually advocate for that and mm. make things happen and i think that well the way i was trying to approach it with clients today is taking it from a gross mindset perspective too mm. because i feel like you know sometimes even you know with clients or with family i'm trying to be an advocate for that and kind of challenge them into what they're saying or mm. like their behaviors but then those people take that approach with a fixed mindset mm. and so they start turning the conversation back to them being like you know I'm a product of my time we used to say that and it used to be okay yeah. or it doesn't seem right to talk about white supremacy or you know I've heard women saying as well 
um, I was brought up in a culture that wasn't inclusive and I still made it. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, isn't it because you fell into the trap of the patriarchal system and you just like... Why do you know, people feel the need to, like, glorify I know. toxic culture? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Be- but because they're they scared. don't realise, well, just... either they're scared mm. or they were so blinded by yeah. the system that they don't see mm. the, the problem. Right. And so each time I'm wondering, like, how can we ever have systems that can change our culture of belonging and representation and inclusion and and equity if we don't have people of power? And because those people who usually have, you know, those thoughts are people of authority. Right. So how do we do that when people of power, authority and privilege within organizations do not take that work from a growth mindset perspective. I'm wondering how do we tackle that? Because I guess sometimes when I look at it, I'm like, oh, I'm going to work with people who are mindful about those challenges and really want to make stuff happen. Mm. But then also sometimes to have like real impactful change, you need to work with people who, you know, have the power, right? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. I think, unfortunately, those people who have the fixed mindset need a hell of a lot of work doing. And that work has to come from them. Mm. There's not much that, you know, we can do other than keep sharing our stories, Mm. keep getting other people to share stories and connect. And, you know, Mm. for people of that, Mm, group group yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. it's such a tricky one for us it's about the long-term commitment to Mm. changing leadership and that is like for us starting at Mm. youth that is an avenue that we are taking ourselves into with schools and working with the educational system and making sure that we work with young children who are going to be shaping Mm our future and will be those leaders in years to come but for for what we're facing now <laughs> i think the thing is <laughs> the thing is is that there's there's going to be people that are fixed mindset and there's people that are going to be growth mindset and the people with a fixed mindset you can leave them for now put a pause on them because like lou said they need to figure it out themselves when they're ready to but there are so many leaders from an, and I would say even from those from an older generation who mm. you know typically will say that you know we grew up with this toxic you know behavior and toxic culture mm. who are now seeing that that's just not okay and they mm. want to change their business and you know I, we work with we've worked with some incredible leaders from you know from various companies who I would say are from that generation who are like I know that what the way we used to do things isn't right and I know that we need to change. And so those are the people you want to go and work with because those people will actually inspire the other people yeah. that have the fixed mindset mm. to change eventually because they'll see that they'll get left behind mm. because businesses are starting mm-hmm. to change. Businesses are starting to understand that they cannot do the things that they used to do. They're having to adapt to the new way of working. Mm. Like look at, look at the whole working from home thing. There's still companies out there that I see regularly who are like, I'm making all my stuff come into the office yeah. and I like we're office people yeah. and it's like, you're not that's not okay. You yeah. can't be the fact that you're still shouting about seven, six, five days in the office and not being flexible for your team 
is terrible. Mm. Like, it is terrible. And so those people are the ones with the fixed mindset. And the people with the growth mindset are the ones that are going, you know, let's have flexible working. Let's have, you know, you can do two days at home or three days at home and one day in the office or whatever you feel comfortable with. And they're starting to change their business. And those people with the fixed term, fixed term, fixed Fixed term. Fixed term contract. <laughs> fixed term contract. Those with the fixed mindset will eventually have to catch up because otherwise their business won't thrive anymore. Mm. That, that's it, yeah. They, they, mm. Those with the growth mindset, they are flourishing, they are expanding, uh, you know, they've got loyal people. The organisations that are led by leaders with a fixed mindset, they're going to either fold eventually or they will just get, like, they'll just have no retention whatsoever and they'll just be slogging their guts out mm. to, to keep their company and, and we've started to see some of that I, I would say we've started to see some of those fixed mindset people starting to you know jump ship and come yeah. to this growth mindset like sort of uh, uh, ship because um, <laughs> we've you know we've been speak we're speaking quite a few different events and I've, mm. I've you know I've had people question and ask things and I've had people that are from a fixed mindset ask you know some ridiculous questions and you can tell that they're from that mindset and they're, but they're starting to they're starting to want to questions yeah, yeah they're starting to exactly. peel away on yeah. the the onions starting to come apart and they're like mm. oh okay maybe i need to ask more questions maybe i need to learn about this mm. so i do think they'll come they'll come eventually but like Lou, louisa said i think the thing is for us is that there's only so much you can do with with i don't want to say the old the oldies because that's ageist but the you know <laughs> the the fixed mindset and the older generation i guess you know focus has to be on the younger generation because mm. that's the future mm. and and that's the thing for me is like the reason why we do this work is because we don't want people to do have to go through what we've been through mm. and it's like I look at my my brother's not actually young anymore but like I look at my brothers and I think you know I don't want them to experience what what what, what we've been through like even like Maisie your daughter I always think mm. you know I would hate it if Maisie experienced the same things that you experienced like I look at my parents and I, they, I remember when we set Cece up, they, they were like, you can't change racism. Mm. Racism's been around for donkey's years and it's never going to change. <laughs> and I'm like, the reasons why it's not changing is because you sat back and let it happen. Yeah. And, that, and that's what we're not doing now. So we're changing it. And like, so I don't want to sit back and like, if I ever get blessed with having children one day, I don't want to sit there to my kids and go, oh yeah, racism's still alive and it won't change. Yeah. Because mm. yeah. that's just ridiculous. That is a fixed... Yeah. 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 Mindset. Yeah. Mindset. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is. So I think, you know, the focus has to be on young people, has to be on getting into schools, getting into universities. You know, I would you know, the dream is that this this education around diversity, inclusion, equity needs to be a syllabus. It mm. needs to be in the curriculum. It needs to be built Everywhere. into the education mm. curriculum somewhere yeah. because when that we is do what our, we are working on. Yeah, yeah. when we do this training yeah. when we do this training Tough. in businesses, we go I remember the thing we always say to people is, you know, we allow people to be in a brave space to open up about things and experiences and share their stories because some pe- we are very aware that some people have no idea about anyone else's perspective. Yeah, people mm. have lived in bubbles for years, mm. and people have lived in these bubbles 
discriminating, being misogynistic, being homophobic, and I've gotten away with it because because I didn't know any better. Yeah. And now we're having to teach people new ways of communicating and new mm. ways of leading with empathy and new ways of experiencing other people's perspectives. And so you have to give people that room to kind of say the wrong things, but correct self-correct. Mm. But you need to get to a point where we don't need to be educating it anymore because it's at, at this level in terms of being in a business, because it's already educated at, at school level. So by the time mm. they get into business, there's no there's no getting it wrong because they know yeah. exactly what they're doing. Yeah, and I think it's it's a good bridge to kind of start talking about Sisu as well and like all the work that you do. I mean, you work for businesses, obviously, and well, I didn't know you were working with schools too, so that's great. But can you talk a little bit more about, I guess, the mission and like the like projects you worked on and the impact you had? What's the mission, Louisa? Uh, or like, I feel like the mission is just so like beauty pageant. We're just like, <laughs> we want to change the world. No, but it is like, though. It's true. That though. is what it is. Like, we want more we... peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But it's 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 good to have like a like a big vision, right? Because at the end of the day, if you're just like putting one stone and being like just you know not dreaming about the future that you actually want to mm. see, then yeah, nothing is really driving you, right? Like, I definitely say that we have some huge visions. Like we, you know, I will be honest and say that we have discussions around, you know, we're in discussions around doing a children's book. We're in yeah. discussions around doing a syllabus in school. You know, we're in discussions around obviously launching our podcast soon. We want to have a TV show. There's so many things we want to do. <laughs> we thought like we're, we're looking into create, um, creating like inclusive working spaces and mm. yeah, building well-being into that. And yeah, there's yoga all studios and doing mm. yoga. Louise is just qualified as yeah. a yoga instructor. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah well so done. For kids. for kids. So she wants so to do... Awesome. We yoga for that kids. In part of the oh, that's syllabus. So, so it's just there is yeah. so I mean we want to do more events. So we've got like you know event coming up in the summer. We've got an away day. How do you fit that in a lifetime? <laughs> there like, is so ridiculous. much going on. Like literally, Louisa came to my house yesterday and I went, "We need to have a catch up, a proper catch up, a proper proper proper, proper catch up." Where we actually talk about what we're doing because I I don't know what we're doing. <laughs> the thing is, though, we speak daily, and mm. I feel like weekly we're like, "Oh my gosh, we need a proper catch up." <laughs> Even though we speak every daily. day, every day, every yeah. day, we're like, "I'm like, yeah, we need to have a meeting." Yeah. <laughs> we've got meetings yeah, meetings. overwhelming but our mission mm-hmm. is definitely i think for us for us a, a mission is definitely I, I mean i think sisu needs to be like a household name where you go sisu have did you know that sisu do this did you know that sisu do that and i want us to be able to be able to change <laughs> you glitched <laughs> <laughs> i want sisu to be able to change people's lives in and be impactful for their careers positively. in the mm. point yeah, positively mm. for their careers um because i think for us the focus is always going to be on shaping the future for young people so that they mm. get into work and they don't have to face any sort of discrimination and they also feel a sense of belonging and they also have their well-being looked after mm. and i think that's the mission is that that's the always the goal the goal and, it's, the ultimate, and everything yeah. everything we do is all about how are we changing making an impact to make sure that that's the goal that we're aiming for. Mm. But because, you know, each individual learns differently, absorbs Mm. information differently and has a different perspective, then, you know, we are trying to come at it from so many different angles. Mm. And that is why we have multiple projects on the go, (laughs) which is sometimes a little bit overwhelming, but, you know... 
Yeah, and I think the thing is as well, like when we like if you look at our socials as well, like if we, when we started mm-hmm. it, we said obviously we obviously we need to make money. We need to pay our bills. We need to have, also have money to invest back into the business. Money is obviously important. It makes the world go round, unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. but. The reason why we do what we're doing is because we want to educate people mm-hmm. and education is, is key to what we do which is why we do the a to z on our socials is why mm-hmm. we share that information for free because i mean there's people out there that charge for that a lot mm-hmm. of money charge for like a glossary which is crazy yeah. to think that people charge you for yeah. a glossary of words which you can get in the dictionary we're but, just <laughs> online for free yeah. <laughs> yeah. but we said that we wanted to do that mm-hmm. because there's a need for people to learn about mm-hmm. the words that and what they mean and mm. the impact they have and why they should and shouldn't be used. So we do that. And I think those are the sort of things that those nuggets like of wanting to share like free information is stuff that we'll continue to do. That's why the podcast that we're going to yeah. do is is going to be about sharing experiences and learning and growing because mm. I think that's really important. People learn so much from listening to other people's stories. Yeah. And yeah. for us, storytelling is so powerful. We want to continue using the storytelling method throughout all the things that we do, which is why we want to do the events, which is why we want to do the book, which is why we do the podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. and it all kind of works all hand in hand in telling a story and educating because I tell you something, people just don't have their eyes open to so many things. Like Mm -hmm. I said before, people just live in a bubble. I had a conversation with a young lady earlier today and she was like, I didn't know that there was racism until I was in a queue with a black person and um he was my friend and he didn't get into the club and he got searched because and i was like to the arts the bouncer why did he not get why did i not get searched and he was like because you didn't have any um you don't look like someone that would have anything that was that was harmful for someone else or be carrying drugs mm. and she was like so what the, he looks like someone and the bouncer said yeah because he's black <gasps> and that only oh happened God, a couple of years ago <laughs> that only happened a couple of years ago and that was the first time they reckon they realized that was that you know there was racism and yeah. i'm like that's people's eyes just unless you yeah. unless you have experienced discrimination firsthand or you have secondhand experience mm. you may not have never seen it so some people just live in a bubble where they're like i live a perfectly happy life no one's ever bothered me mm. i've always got everything that i want you know i you know i've i'm privileged blah, 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 whatever and so they just live in this. And actually, when you have conversations with them about it and you start to educate them and, ex- and show them new, like, kind of new perspective, mm. their eyes get awakened. And that's what I want. I want to see more of those, like, awakening of people being like, oh, my God, I'm not just in a trance, like, just going about mm. my life. I'm not a robot. I want to experience other people's cultures. I want to experience other mm. people's experience and take it all on board. Mm. I'll stop now. <laughs> no, I mean, I fa- I found that crazy that, you know because for me like today we have social media we have the media in general like how can you still live in a bubble as you said Mm -hmm. like on an island by yourself without any access to information and be almost like ignorant about the realities of it's easier to be ignorant than for you to have your eyes open because as soon as you have your eyes open you have to then do something with that right yeah and yeah. you start questioning yourself yeah. and your own experience and yeah, yeah and that becomes and that the becomes, hard work that yeah. becomes work well, so it's become uncomfortable don't yeah. you yeah. yeah so it's easier just to sit back and go oh, didn't see it <laughs> didn't mm. see it didn't know it i'd like to end up on a positive note though and kind of from your own perspective and all the work that you're doing with sisu can you tell us positive stuff that you've seen happening still like whether it's in organizations none or <laughs> 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 okay done <laughs> 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 
um, but yeah, no, anything that kind of makes you hopeful about the future. Do you know what? I just, I think like this, obviously there's lots of work to do, but I do feel like in the past couple of years, the work has really sort of catapulted forward and people are starting to connect more with people that they perhaps might not have a few years back I think people are becoming more curious and I think that the more curious people are the more hopeful sort of we become because curiosity is what leads to research and you know further education and that growth mindset exactly and you know connecting with people to learn what their stories are and Mm. what their what their journey has been and that when you learn those stories and when you share the stories and you and you you know alter your perspective on certain things that does lead to a growth mindset and I think that we are seeing a lot more of that over the past couple of years and I don't know maybe it's because we are working within the within this industry I don't know but you know I certainly do see it and feel it a lot more around me so I think that um that is definitely a positive yeah yeah definitely I mean I mean I think if we rewind five years ago I don't think that we would have worked with this many people in such a short period of time Mm. we've like we've been worked with quite a few different clients and different industries and I don't think it would have been as easy as it has been to to yeah. get new business. And the yeah. other the other thing that I Pre-COVID, think COVID, yeah. The other thing that I think was so for me like was positive and made me feel so happy was our event, you know, our event that we yeah. did in the summer. Like mm. we literally <laughs> took a stab in the dark. We did. <laughs> <laughs> we literally one day, probably over some wine, had said, Let's do an event and was it on the train. I feel like that's a little bit of an old, old, you know, bending the truth there. Oh, maybe, maybe. It <laughs> was one hundred percent. Oli G Day was like, "We're doing an event," <laughs> and I was like, "Oh yeah, uh, no, so, yeah, yeah, yeah." That was it. Right, we, went, okay. we, we were in Manchester. We were in, a Man- we were in Manchester. We met with Silence <laughs> yeah, Talk. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah. sitting there talking about what we can do moving forward as a partnership. That was it. Yeah. And it was at the end of our meeting, and I went, "I feel like we should just do an event," you know. And they were like, that sounds like a really good idea. Let's explore that. And I got we got on the train home and I wrote a brief. No, well, the next day, he sent out a brief. <laughs> Literally. I had written a brief about what the event was, when, when, when it would be, how many people, da, 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 da. I literally, I just had this thing, and I had this thing that I just wanted to, I wanted us to do it because yeah. I was like, I had the vision. The vision was there and needed to happen. And the fact fact that we made it happen and the fact that we were able to have over 100 people in a room Mm. to Mm. talk about equality, equity, inclusion, diversity, well-being, and people paid, and it wasn't a lot of money, but they paid to come. And Mm. it means that there's the things are changing. Times are moving on. Like my Mm. parents came to that event and they said they couldn't, they couldn't believe that people were sitting in a room and had paid to be in a room to talk about that kind of work because mm. they just would never imagine that to have mm. ever happened in their time. And I was just like, yeah, people are people are changing. People want there to be equity for people. People want people to feel included. So that for me was like a massive eye opener and you know, watch this space, event number two coming your way soon. Oh God, no, I'm crying. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can be like very proud of yourself because I mean, I attended this event and it was absolutely amazing. It's very genuine. I, f- I found that 
the conversations were so authentic and so genuine and so open mm. and you know sometimes you attend those events and it's very structured it's not very you know organic everything is but yeah. It feels like prepared. people are reading out of a bloody textbook. Exactly, exactly. When your event was actually very authentic and you can feel really that people were connecting and having genuine conversations and just opening up about themselves. Mm. And we yeah. were so we were so blessed. We had some amazing speakers yeah. that have had some, you know, incredible That was it, life wasn't journeys. it? Yeah. It was about getting the right speakers yeah. with the right audience and mix that up with some food and some drink and mm. some spoken word. It was just like such a magical afternoon and I think we were just we were just really lucky and I think it was so I mean, I obviously cried, but mm. I was it was so it was so moving yeah. to have that happen and for it to happen so early on in our kind of like startup as a business, mm. that was all like because it was like mm. that was actually our two years, wasn't it? It was literally two yeah, years. Yeah, it was our two year anniversary. It was our two year anniversary, and and it was just yeah, it was it was amazing. And I think, you know, yeah, that if that to, that answers your question in terms yeah. of what what positive things can you see happening mm. that. That was a huge positive, and I think you know next this this year. I was going to say next year. We're in twenty twenty three now. Yeah. This year, <laughs> this, we have arrived. This year we will. You know, gosh, don't know what's going to happen next, but we don't know how big the next one's going to be. Maybe we'll say a thousand people. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> well, I wish you that hundred percent. And <laughs> exactly, yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, again, well done for everything that you've done and for the event. Uh, it was really, really great. Thank and you. I wish you really all the best with um, Sisu and all you know your goals and dreams thank yeah. you thank you so much for having us yeah thank you so much it's been so, i love talking <laughs> i mean it's not it's not 100 percent done i still have my two signature questions that uh, I ask oh, every, okay. every uh every guest so you know as you know the um, the, the podcast is called wonder workers and that's because i invite change makers ordinary people doing extraordinary things for the planet and and people and so my last question is what would you say is your superpower <gasps> oh. i would say my superpower is empathy i feel mm. like because of my previous like trauma and experiences mm. in life i am able to empathize with anyone like mm. you know I'm, and I may not agree with everything that you say, but I'm able to empathise on that something that you might feel might be quite difficult. And I think that's been really useful for us as a business and, and for me as a person in terms of growing. And I think the empath the, being empathetic has also helped me with my own personal anger because I had so much anger as a young person because I wasn't able to express myself in the right way and now I feel like my superpower is is, is that empathy and, and the 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 ability to listen to other people because I wasn't listened to when I was younger so yeah empathy superpower I am gonna say my one of my superpowers I've got many <laughs> <laughs> one of my superpowers I'm gonna say is I don't know how to say it in the, with that. I'm going to call it connection mm. because I feel I've always had the ability to connect people to other people in order to benefit 
them, if that mm. makes sense. Yeah. So it's like identifying a need in a person and then plucking somebody out of my network who can give mm. you a solution to that need. That mm. is one of my superpowers. Creating meaningful connections. Yeah. There you go. Mm. That's a nice way to say it. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Okay. Great. And last question. Who would you like to hear from next in this podcast? Ooh. Do you know who would be amazing? Harry. <laughs> That's what you were going to say? <laughs> no? <laughs> Harry Corrin. Is that what you were going to say? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Harry Cor Oh, bless him. I spoke to him today. Um, yeah, Harry would be great. He is... Um, a he's I would say he's a close friend. He's definitely a close he, friend. Yeah. Um but he he was at the I he wasn't at the event, no, was he? Wasn't, he? No, no. he did a video. He did mm. a video at the event. Um and he owns a business called Corin and Co. He um and his company go out and do mental health first aid training. They do mm. a suicide prevention training and they are similar to what we do in terms of really embedding into a business um, well-being and a well-being strategy and mm. and Harry is just like such a uh, he's such an incredible person yeah like his journey has been quite unique yeah. as well mm. and the way that he has used his past trauma and his experiences to benefit other people and to help other people is mm. extraordinary yeah, it really is, wow. and he yeah. continues to amaze me with, with his like with his skills with he and he's a good co at connecting as well. He connects people as well, and yeah, yeah he's I'm a, definitely a fan girl for Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Louisa and Olajide for you know being here and for this amazing conversation. I mean, I feel like it was just talking with friends really and you know talking about the important stuff so yeah thank you for being here thank you no, for thank having, you for having us. us we'll have to have you on our podcast next <laughs> yeah i can't wait to see all the great work that you're going to be doing because it sounds really really exciting watch this space, watch this yeah. space. stay yeah. tuned <laughs> thank you thank you thank you laura Follow the Wonder Workers podcast so that every two weeks you can get notified when a new episode is out. And I must say, if you don't, that's okay. But that would be a big miss because we have more inspiring and powerful guests to come. So let's meet up in two weeks for a new episode of Wonder Workers, a podcast that transports you into the world of our modern change catalysts and empowers you too to change the world. This podcast is created and hosted by me, Laura Warnod, founder of The Culture Cabinet. Thank you to Content is Queen for producing the podcast. But above all, thank you for listening. See you soon. <laughs>